This is Women With Books, a collection of conversations about your favorite books, media, and all of the fabulous things in life. Curated by me, author Lindsay Emery. I'm so glad you're a part of today's chat. said at the beginning of the pandemic that if it didn't feel right to continue podcasting, I wouldn't. Well, here I am, back again, eight months later. It's December 2020. As of the date of this release, I am fine, and only one member of my family has contracted SARS-CoV-2, otherwise known as COVID or coronavirus. At some point, I'll probably be able to understand and even explain 2020. But I feel like I'm still in the thick of it, and probably you are too, and I don't really know where to start yet. Suffice it to say, um, I had to prioritize a lot of things in the last eight months. Uh, Physical and mental health, my family, my creativity, and a podcast fell just under the limits of what I was able to handle. But in the last week or so, I got a weird whoosh of energy, and I've updated some of my software, and I'm here. This is a solo episode, and I'm going to be talking about reading and the books I read in 2020. So if you've listened to this podcast before or followed my blog, you'll know that I am a planner and I have kept track of the books I read every year. I've done this for I don't know how many years. I actually keep them on a piece of paper. I can probably go back at least 10 years at this point, uh, if not longer. No, I know for longer, uh, maybe 15 years, and I could tell you what I read that year. And This might sound like I'm super analytical. I'm not particularly analytical, but I I just find it interesting to kind of sort of sort it out and look at what I'm being drawn to and what I'm being absorbed by. And a lot of times you can really see what I've been influenced by that year or where I got my recommendations. Uh, I know a lot of years you can kind of see that I got a lot of recommendations from magazines or from NPR or from Twitter. Um, I like to look at the trends of what I'm reading and see if the input of the books and movies I'm watching influence the output aka the books I write. And yes, if you caught that, you're right. I also have been, um, especially this year, maybe I just started this year, this year and last year, uh, keeping track of the books and TV I watch. Not books. Movies and TV I watch. I'm out of practice. Look at me. Uh, The movies and TV I watch because um, I have become aware that that is a significant input and where I get a lot of my ideas and inspirations for my creative projects. So, um, so I've done this all for a while, but of course, 2020 was not a normal year. In the middle of the pandemic, I told myself I could 
read what I liked. I was not making myself follow a schedule. I was um, not going to, um, you know, worry about lists I had made at the beginning of the year or trying to follow any kind of canon. Um, I I told myself I just was going to read what made me happy. As I said before, my mental health was prioritized this year. But I still sort of continued the no-buy resolution that I started at the beginning of the year. I had originally said that I was not I was going to do a no-buy for the first quarter of the year and I was going to try to get through my get through some of my TBR pile and um, kind of assess you know how that went after that. Well, of course the the first quarter ended and that was March 2020 and I was kind of overwhelmed about um, where I was getting books from anyway anymore. So I just kind of said, all right, if if let's balance these out. Let's keep trying to go through my TBR pile. Let's reread some things. Let's let's see where I'm at. Um, because I obviously couldn't go out to any bookstores or anything. And I kind of stopped receiving um, ARCs. Uh, advanced review copies, I'm assuming because all the publishers sort of uh, left their offices or they didn't want to send me any <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I borrowed a lot of things from the library, mostly digitally. Um, I love the Cloud Library app, but when my library reopened, I did go a few times this summer with my kids for our usual or not so usual summer visits. Uh, my library really set up also a very robust, um, uh, I don't know, socially distant uh, system where, like, they totally changed a lot of the footprint of the first floor of our library so um, that you could pretty much request any book you wanted and they would come out to the curb and they would get it for you and they'd come out to the curb and deliver it to you. So uh, that was that was an interesting situation to see. And... Um, well, I told myself I could read or watch whatever I wanted, and I wouldn't force myself to do anything I wasn't feeling. There was also, uh, I guess, a conscience avoidance of anything that would be too negative, sad, or angsty, just because of the whole keep me sane, keep my mental health thing <laughs> that I had going on. So there were literally times where someone would recommend a book or a movie or TV show to me and be like, oh, it made me cry. And I would just flat out say, no, I am not reading that this year or I'm not watching that right now. And I think I uh, kind of set a couple people off with that. But um, because I'm normally very responsive to recommendations, as you'll know if you've listened to this podcast before. But this year I'm just like, no, no, not going to do that. Um, I don't need to cry (laughs) anymore. I don't need to feel sad. I don't need to feel anxious. Um, so yeah, I just said no. If it was going to make me feel those things, I said no. So, um, I am going to tell you what I read. I'm getting there. Um, but I'm going to not tell you everything. Because in a normal year, I have put together what I call best books of the year lists. And frankly, that's just good SEO. You know, gets me a lot of clicks on Google. Uh, Any kind of listicles and book recommendations. Uh, Of course, I'm lucky that it it, uh, dovetails nicely with what I really like to do, which is give recommendations. But um, 
but I have to acknowledge this isn't a normal year. So I'm not calling this the best books of the year list because what does that mean? You know, um, these are the, the books that I enjoyed. Uh, these are the books that I kept thinking about or that I wanted to talk about. So these are not necessarily the best books I read because who can tell? Um, I read a lot of wonderful books. A lot I forgot what I read um, because there was a lot going on in my life. So I know I read a lot of great things, but for whatever reason, it kind of floated through my mind. It gave me what I needed at the time. And then it didn't. So the way I'm assessing this list of books are the ones that I kept talking about, I kept referencing, I kept thinking about in some way. Um, I, of course, will put a link in the show notes to the blog post. I've already written a blog on my site, lindsayemory.com, and that kind of references these. But I'm going to just kind of talk a little bit more. I didn't really give a lot of detail in that blog post, so that's what I'm going to do here with you guys. So one of the first books that um, I put on the list for 2020, and it's not even one that I really read this year. Uh, I kind of reread the highlights that I took when I first read it uh, a few years ago, maybe two years ago now. Um, This book is Atomic Habits by James Clear, and it's been in on the New York Times bestseller list I think for three years now um it's a classic in many ways if you haven't read it or if you've you've seen it you've heard about it and for the most part I have given up reading self-help books or productivity books by all these Silicon Valley bros that um Man, they've got some kind of good system working out for them, but they're also millionaires and they're men and they can outsource everything. (laughs) And most, I mean, I'm sorry, most of us can't do that. So I just really don't pay attention to those anymore. However, uh, Atomic Habits really does work for me and I find it very clear and very actionable. And this year during 2020, I did refer to it several times, multiple times, sometimes on a weekly basis, because I really saw the opportunity while I was at home, while I was doing nothing else, um, to kind of tighten up some of my habits and see why some of the habits I'd wanted to do for so long never caught on. You know, because there's really something interesting about 2020 for me, and maybe for you too, was that all of the excuses I had for years, I'm too busy for that. You know, um, I don't have enough time for that. Oh, that would be nice, but I can't, you know, get up early, stay up late, whatever, whatever the excuse was, all of those excuses or a lot of those excuses were stripped away this year. So I'm like, wow. Um, all right. So I always said I was too busy to work out and here it is. And why have I still not made this a good habit in my life? Why have I still not been able to figure out how to drink water on a regular basis, <laughs> you know? When, in 2020, if I couldn't figure that out, when it's literally the only thing I could do. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, that was just, again, if you are interested in starting some new habits um, or interested in figuring out why you haven't been able to do habits, um, 
I think this is a, just a evergreen recommendation. Um, two other books that I read the first part of the year and then really couldn't stop thinking about the rest of the year. One was Her Last Flight by Beatrice Williams. And this, I think I need to reread it. It's, I, it was just one of those books that I kept thinking about. I kept feeling like these were real people I had spent time with. They had real stories. This was real history. Um, and my imagination was just completely caught up in those stories in that book. And it's a, I say stories because there was, I think, two different storylines going on. And uh, Red Sky Over Hawaii by Sarah Ackerman. I think I also read that at the beginning of this year. And that, I just, I've had Sarah Ackerman on this podcast on this podcast before. She's lovely. Her books are great. They're historical fiction, World War II fiction set in Hawaii. So it's a little bit different from uh, other World War II books because it focuses on the Pacific. Obviously, the Pacific War. And this one... Um, I kept thinking about during pandemic because it's literally people going into hiding <laughs> and they had like this perfect place to hide on the big island of Hawaii and um, during World War, the early days of World War II and I don't know, it was just something I kind of kept relating to was, you know, how they had to ration food. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. She didn't talk about rationing toilet paper, but I'm sure they must have. Um, anyway, I, it was a great book, and it also just um, really kind of fit this year in a lot of interesting ways. Another one that really fit this year, and I keep thinking about it, and again, it's something I probably want to come back to again when I have a little bit more brain power, is uh, The Splendid and the Vile by Eric Larson. And this is a nonfiction historical book about the early days of World War II, uh, of Winston Churchill managing uh, the early days of the war. And I think this would be really fascinating to come back to at some point to reread, especially when there's an interesting history made of 2020, <laughs> which that could come out anytime, but um, when I'm ready to reread that. But it was just really interesting to read about this other period of time where um, a population was stressed, where they were put to the test, where there was an unknown foe, where they were trying to figure out Nazi Germany and how they were going to um, have a fight against this enemy. And since it was about the early days, it was really, there were a lot of setbacks for the English and there were a lot of, um, there was a lot of chaos in London. And again, that was something that really kind of hit home this year, and um, I'm not particularly um, so much, uh, for those who do Gallup Strength Finder, I, I have very low context, which means I, I technically I'm not really supposed to, I don't know. It, it, history, looking backwards, doesn't always fascinate me as much as looking forwards, but pulling um, some parallels between that time and this time um, certainly worked for my high intellection <laughs> this year. Um, one of the most, one of the books that just made me happiest this year, I 
was on cloud nine that I even found this book. Um, at some point during the pandemic, I think I asked for recommendations on my Instagram stories and someone came back with, uh, Juliana Gray's, um, historical books. And I read her, one of her historical romance trilogies, which I was just, oh, I need to break that apart sometime for y- with y'all. Um, maybe Juliana Gray <laughs> would like to come on and talk to me about that. Um, but this one was a uh, historical mystery. And it was kind of like someone had reached into my brain and given me the perfect story that I needed. And I, uh, this was when we had made a little family trip to the mountains in September. So I had ample time to just relax and uh, get lost in this perfect, perfect book. I was, again, so thrilled that I found it. Um, another book that I, I can't stop thinking about, and I think this is me as an author who can't keep can't stop pulling this book apart. Uh, I don't even know if it qualifies as contemporary romance because it is set in, I believe, the early 90s and there's no cell phones or no email or anything in this book. So it's Manhunting by Jen Cruzy. And Jen Cruzy is rightfully known for um, her book, Bet Me, is often cited as a contemporary romance that is kind of start of the romance starter pack. You know, everyone wants recommends that to someone who wants to just get started in romance, which I agree with. Bet Me is a masterpiece in several ways. Um, I would suggest that Manhunting might be up there too. From a writing perspective, there is so much good stuff in this book that is vastly underrated. Um, It is so hard to make something like this look so easy. (laughs) I don't know how to explain it. Um, Again, I'm probably going to have to go back at some point and pick it apart. But uh, the dialogue in this book, the pacing, the way that the characters are so fleshed out but not but just like sketched but she she's like a sketch artist where she can just do boom 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 and like the person is there on a piece of page and you're like on a piece of paper and you're like how did she do that she just did that in like four words it's it's outstanding um and maybe people out there are going to read this and be like it's not that good but um i don't know i from this author's perspective um It's kind of like Bet Me, where you're just like, how did she do this? How did she make something, yeah, this good look that easy? Um, Similarly, (laughs) another book that um, I couldn't stop thinking about this year was Who Rescued Who by Victoria Shade. And she was also on the podcast earlier this year. And what I kept thinking, I kept thinking about this book is that talk about making something effortless. I can't, this book is set in a town called Fargrove in England or a village called Fargrove in England. And all during the pandemic, I kept thinking about this place like it was real. 
like, oh, I can't wait till this this pandemic's over and I can go to Fargo. <laughs> um, I don't know. Again, I think that says a lot about my mental health <laughs> this year. Uh, what it says, I don't know, but I highly recommend that book. And um, again, probably not coincidentally, but uh, I'll bring up another one from an author we had on earlier this year, Amy Harmon. I um, also, and you can go back, if you haven't listened to my episode with Amy Harmon yet, um, you know, I'm just going to refer you back to that because I really explained in that episode when I talked to her about why that was also a perfect book for me during pandemic, um, that it's about pioneers and wagon trails and wagon trains um and so many times it gave me such good perspective this year um so many times we'd be going through something someone in my family would be going through something i'm like you know what we're not we're not being scalped on out on the prairie you know we we've got so many blessings and it just really would make me stop think about it think about humanity where we've come, hopefully where we're going, and how we can get through anything. So again, thank you, Amy Harmon, for that wonderful book this year. Um, it's really crazy how that book came out this year, and I I don't know if other people were as affected by it as I am, but um, again, right book, right time. Um, similarly, oh God, there's so many, look at this, it's just leading on into each other. Um, similarly, Right book, right time. Um, Your Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. (sighs) I am not a good enough person to explain this. Um, This is where words are going to fail me. But this is one of those books that um, I probably would not have picked up except for like the perfect storm of this year. Um, A lot of things about body positivity I've never connected with before. Um, Of course, as a feminist, progressive, open-minded woman in the 21st century. I I read stuff, I learn stuff, but it it just never really could connect all the pieces for me. And Sonia Renee Taylor connected so many pieces for me in this book. And because it's not just about body positivity, it's about self-love self-celebration and why we have been programmed to not be able to do those things by I won't a society yes but also systems that are in place to to control societies and systems um and like I said I'm I'm not going to be the best person to describe this. I will say that it is something that kind of rocked my world. It is body positivity, self-acceptance, self-love, the radical nature of all that in a world where Black Lives Matter and, um, you know, there's, there is a beautiful revolution afoot. And to the extent that 2020 has encouraged that, or um, propelled it along um, it's a blessing right it's a blessing so um, I would encourage you to look up Sonia Renee Taylor her book her she has a huge platform she has a wonderful website there's tons of other podcasts where you can listen to her 
um, in her own words, um, far be it from me to put words into her mouth, I might be messing it up. Um, but yeah, that's, that will, that, if that doesn't change your world, I, you know, it's fine. Um, people resonate with different messages. That was a message that resonated with me. Um, and so that, those were kind of the big ones, the big things that just grabbed me, got me thinking, got me obsessed, but I read so many other things. I'm going to do another blog, I think in January. So, um, you know, always look out for that on lindsayemory.com slash blog, where I got kind of, I'm going to get a little bit more analytical, I think, about what I read this year. Um, you know, but like I said, I, I, other input kind of got me all excited. Um, the best podcast I listened to this year, and it wasn't Women With Books, <laughs> um, cause I don't listen to my own podcast, but I know, I know so many of you at Women With Books changed your life. I can tell. Um, no, the best one I listened to that I've really been obsessed by is Winds of Change. And it's about the CIA, the Cold War, and rock and roll. And if that doesn't grab your attention, then, you know, maybe pass, but maybe give it a, one episode just to see if it's, it's your thing. It's a storytelling. It's a, it's a, it's a real life story. Um, and then, like I said, I kept track of television and movies and, these, I, I said no to a lot of things that didn't um, intrigue me. My husband liked to watch a lot of uh, maybe darker things, maybe more violent things. Um, it's crazy though, you know, we rewatch so much stuff and and now it feels like, again, it was five years ago. Like we, we rewatched The Sopranos at some point, it, but I think maybe we ended in April or something and now I can't remember anything. Is anyone else like that? Like you rewatch stuff and eight months later, you can't remember it. And I don't know, is that a 2020 thing? Is that a normal life thing? Is it because we watched so much stuff this year? I don't know. Um, but Schitt's Creek, I finished the final season of that. Love it. Uh, Ted Lasso, I have been evangelical about getting people to watch that. It's just, (sighs) yeah, I need to rewatch it. It's, it's the best. Um, Sweet Magnolias was like a big, warm, comfy to settle down in songland i'm discovered and i'm cannot wait for a new season anola holmes um really got my historical mystery buzz going on because of that uh so fun so creative so quick and don't listen to what people say about on twitter just they, who cares about accuracy okay <laughs> just it's fun um, Succession, uh, my husband and I finished those seasons and, uh, again, so obsessed with it. Um, the writing on that show is, and the acting both together, um, make you just, uh, it's one of those things I wish I was smart enough to pick all that part. I don't know enough about acting and maybe TV show writing, but it's, it's good. It's good. It's like when I drink a really expensive wine and I'm, my palate is pretty good, but not that good, but I know it's expensive. <laughs> um, I also loved The Great, which was on Hulu. And um, it, I, I think, unfortunately, that was one that I wish had come out during a different year. Um, 
because maybe it would have gotten a little bit more attention. Um, it was it was such an extremely creative um, and funny show. Very unique. I've never seen anything like it before. And Knives Out. I mean, that's going all... I think I, that was the last movie I saw in the theater. It was like January, I think. Um, that's so sad. I love going to see the movies, guys. And But, you know, honestly, it was such a perfect film to end my movie, my 2020 movie <laughs> watching on. Um, it's such a perfect film. And I've rewatched it, of course, once it came out on um, whatever streaming <laughs> service it's on right now. I can't keep track of them all. But honestly, a perfect film. And I can't wait to see if um, they make another attached... I don't want to say sequel, because it won't be a sequel. But, um, I don't know, something related to that. So, um, that's it. Um, 2020 style. Uh, take a long break, and I come back, and I give you a bunch of recommendations. I mean, that's not too bad. Uh, <laughs> I'll put a link in the... Uh, in the show notes to uh, so you can read the blog and see out what else I've got going on and hopefully I'm going to be picking this podcast back up I'm trying to kind of reset it uh, with some like I said new technology new bells and whistles and um, see how it fits into my new life one where there's more people at home but um and you're spending less time in the car. <laughs> but we all still love books. And we this is what makes us happy. And this is what we want to talk about. So gosh darn it. We're going to do it. We are going to do what makes us happy. Because life is too short to not do what makes us happy. Alright. Thank you guys. And keep reading. Oh my gosh, you guys, you can tell I'm a little rusty at podcasting because I was about to finish up this episode and make it all pretty and shiny and hit publish. And then I realized I didn't even tell you about my new book. I have a new release. It just came out December 1st and it's already made the USA Today bestseller list and it's called Christmas Actually. I'm in an I'm in an anthology with 10 other amazing romance authors. We all contributed a never-before-published novella to this anthology. It's our little bites of happiness and romance and rom-com, our versions of Hallmark movies that we wanted to spread cheer and bring joy back to this earth. So check it out. I'm going to put a list, link to that in the show notes. Uh, if you're not sure what to read, an anthology of novellas is perfect because you can flip through. You can flip to my story. You can flip to Terry Wilson's story. You can flip to Tiff Marcello's story or uh, Nancy Nagel's story and just have a little sweet treat and then get back to whatever else you need to be doing that day, which really, do you have anything else you need to be doing? You need to be reading. You need to be taking care of you. So yay for me <laughs> for a new book, Christmas Actually, out everywhere. I'm putting the link to the show notes. Thank you for forgiving me for being a complete klutz at this. <laughs>
Thank you for joining me today. If you love this conversation, please leave a review or consider supporting the podcast at the link in the show notes. For a list of books discussed in this episode and other fabulous content, sign up for my newsletter at womenwithbooks.com. And remember, keep reading.